Good morning, everyone. Cheryl A. On My Watch podcast, a lot has happened in the last couple of days that I want to talk about. And what I'll do today is I want to talk about the West Bank and talk to you about uh, settler violence and what's happening there. But before I start uh, talking about the West Bank, uh, I want to make some reference to some appalling videos that I have seen or stories, if you like, that I've seen this morning. There's lots of atrocious ones and they're coming out of Gaza. They're particularly awful. So these are crimes committed by the IDF, which is the Israel Defence Force, if you can call it that. I like to call it a terrorist group. There's apparently 300,000 IDF members and they all seem to be as despicable as each other. But a particular story that's come out this morning, which is absolutely horrifying, is that an IDF captain, terrorist captain, uh, has stolen a Palestinian baby. So the IDF captain, whilst he probably, I don't know this, but he's probably murdered the family of the babies. He certainly has murdered a lot of people. Whether he's murdered the family directly, I don't know. That's not out yet. But he stole the baby. I can't even imagine how people from Palestine are feeling at the moment. They've stolen their land. And just remember, this has been going on, this violence has been going on for 75 years. This repression, this apartheid state, Palestinians are treated like second-class citizens. And the soldiers have grown up knowing that that's how Palestinians are treated by Israel and the Israeli government. And so they seem to, and we talked about this on another podcast, they have this this arrogance, the soldiers, this free reign just to do whatever they like. I'm angry and I'm saying that it's all of them, but it's not. You know, of course, there are some people out there, some soldiers or terrorists out there with some integrity. But a lot of them, and particularly the people that have come back to fight from countries like the USA, from Europe. You know, apparently there's an Australian soldier who's gone back as well to the who went to the IDF um, and who was tragically killed. These soldiers have come from all over the world to fight. They're totally inexperienced. They seem to be bloodthirsty warmongers. And what they want to do, men and women, and what they want to do is carry a rifle and murder people. And because they can do it in plain sight and the world is doing nothing about it, it seems to get more and more violent because when somebody acknowledges your behaviour or even looks away, then you've got no correction. You've got nobody saying to you, what are you doing? And when you're looking at 300,000 troops on the ground at least, it's kind of like a rogue terrorist group. I don't think the Israeli army have got any control about these people out there. You know, maybe the captains do, but then look what this captain just did. He stole a baby. There are more horrifying footage that has come out, and one in particular, two soldiers, two IDF terrorist soldiers, they've just cleared a house, probably murdered the family, and they're in a child's bed with the quilt or the blanket of the child over them, and they're laughing. Now, this footage is coming from them. 
This footage is not being leaked or being stolen. This is them, the IDF terrorists, advertising what they're doing and thinking that it's funny. So these two soldiers are in a bed of a child in a bedroom and in the bed of a child who's probably been murdered by them, whose family has been murdered by them. It's absolutely disgusting and I know anyone listening to this will know that. I saw this wonderful, beautiful footage of uh, some people in Gaza preparing their own food because, remember, there's no electricity, there's no, you know, there's no power, there's no gas, there's nothing. And these people are so resourceful. Food and culture is so integral, you know. You don't only just feed your family, you're feeding everybody else around you. And as you know, Israel has been using starvation as a tool just in reference to this particular footage, you've got this family who's making bread. They're using whatever they have. So they're using, they've had to carry, you know, litres and litres of water to where they're bread baking. They've had to make their own oven out of burning wood. They've made these kind of clay setups, clay ovens from, you know, made it from their hands and set up these um makeshift ovens, if you like. Anyway, it's really beautiful and they're making bread and they're putting zatar on it and, you know, any passerby that goes by is offered bread. These are people with no money and most are starving, yet they're still prepared to share their food. And then there's a counter video that shows, again, IDF terrorists. They're in Gaza. They seem to have stolen somebody's barbecue, like a charcoal. It's just a tray, if you like. And they've got a piece of steak and they're mocking the Gazans. They're mocking the Palestinians about the way they eat and showing off that they have a piece of steak and they're cooking it and eating it on the grill. This is what you're up against. Do you know I always think this, and for those that follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I do do this, is what about... If that soldier was your brother, your son, your lover, I mean, how despicable is that? I don't know who looks at this and just thinks, oh, wow, that's a great person. You know, I often wonder how Israel is going to come out of this. You know, what kind of values and morals is that country going to have when this generation of soldier terrorists are the next generation? It's just, it's revolting. Actually, speaking of What kind of people are they? I just want to mention that spokesperson for Netanyahu called Mark Regev. Do you know he's Australian? He was born in Melbourne. Well, that's an Australian that we don't want to keep. He is the advisor for foreign affairs to the terrorist himself, Netanyahu. He was, yesterday, he was, seriously, he was saying, Every time you ask him a question and he's speaking on behalf of the Israeli government, he brings up Hamas, even if it's nothing about Hamas. And I can't remember what this particular question was. And he's like, well, you know, we're dealing with people that have beheaded babies. Well, listen here, if you're listening, Mark Regev, just know this, that is has been proven to be not true by your own government by your own source, he was spewing all these lies. And this was only yesterday, all these 
these accusations that have been proven incorrect, but they are so they can hang on to that every time you mention Gaza, they will mention Hamas. No, 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 no. We've gone past that point. We've gone past the point of the 7th of October and now it's just outright genocide and ethnic cleansing, Mark. That's where we're at. And how many times can you sit in front of a journalist or a presenter and continually lie? Honestly, I don't know how these people sleep at night, but I've said it before. Anyway, I want to talk about the West Bank and just in terms of uh, settler violence, and I just want to reference that. In terms of history, you can go discover your own history. So there's West Bank. And there's the Gaza Strip, and these are Palestinian territories, but operated, um, if you like, by Israel. The West Bank, unlike Gaza's on the coast and is a much smaller piece of land, West Bank is larger and it is landlocked. And it is a really important territory for the Palestinians. However, you know, and this is breaking international law, however, Israel has been putting settlers into the West Bank for some years now. For some years we've known that they're doing it. And what they do is they put Israeli settlers onto Palestinian land so they give them land in the West Bank so that they can breed, so that they can form communities and so they can steal the land from Palestinians. That's all they do. It's not a tactic for people to live together peacefully and in harmony. No, it's not that. Now, some may do that, but the purpose is not that. The purpose is actually to steal the land that is rightfully the Palestinians to be stolen by Israel yet again. I mean, it's such a horror to me that we've known that this has been happening for years and years. So as a consequence, there's been settler violence in that region for a very long time, and it's been getting worse and worse. And because the IDF terrorists have free reign at the moment so they can commit atrocities in plain sight because the world isn't looking, and every time you ask the world why they're not looking, they'll say Hamas, it's like, well, actually, no, we're beyond that point. So what we've got here in the West Bank, and this is, as I said, happened over years, is that these settlers don't only just take their own land that they're allocated, but they want the Palestinians' homes as well. Now, I know you might think that this is, it it can't be true. Well, it is true. And what's happening there at this very moment is even worse. Because the IDF terrorists are engaged in war in Gaza, there's not enough soldiers at the moment to carry out the violence against Palestinians in the West Bank. So the Israeli government has hired mercenaries and they're using the West Bank to also entry-level kind of terrorist soldiers. So you've got mercenaries and inexperienced soldiers in the West Bank committing violence and atrocities. Hundreds have been killed, same kind of MO as in Gaza, and they also are forcibly taking, at gunpoint, taking people out of their houses and then taking over the house, the home that they don't own. It's almost unbelievable, isn't it? Now, a lot of these settlers have come from all parts, like the IDF is made up from, you know, uh, Jews from all over the world. A lot of these 
Jewish settlers have come from the US, has come from Australia, come from Europe, anyway, they have a rite of passage back to Israel because they're Jewish. Now, remember, the Palestinians don't have that. The Palestinians don't have the rite of passage to go back to Palestine. Only Israel has that privilege. Remember, they're the coloniser. So a lot of these people, they could be rednecks from, well, a lot of them are rednecks from the USA, and they come to the West Bank and at gunpoint or with some kind of violence, they knock on that door and they take your home. They take the Palestinians' families home. So just imagine that. Just imagine you're at home right now and somebody knocks on your door and says, hey, get out of here. At that moment, you've lost everything. You've lost the home, you've lost your furniture, you've lost your food, whatever you have in the pantry. You've lost a roof over your head simply because they feel that they are more superior as humans to you. Imagine if that was happening to us. Would we turn a blind eye to it? And yet the world has turned a blind eye to that behaviour for some years now. And it's much worse at the moment because, as I said, they have a free reign. Hundreds killed in the West Bank as well. So they're the two regions that Israel is operating. Now, people keep saying to me, particularly here in the United States, oh, Hamas, this has nothing to do with Hamas. This has everything to do with the bigger plan of stealing Palestinian land. This has everything to do with relocating the Palestinians so Israel can have the entire region. Do you know what? absolutely blows me away, and this is the Zionist point of view, that they say it's in God's name. Well, let me tell you this. It's coming from an atheist like myself. God is God to everybody, right? And using God's name to murder and steal and take away people's rights, to starve people, to kill babies, children, men and women, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. If you think that this is the way that God wants, you are deluded. You are absolutely deluded and Zionists are deluded. That's a little bit of history on the West Bank. And the other thing I want to talk about, and I've seen a little bit of the uh, footage of this going on and I'm trying to get my head around it. If you know anything more than I do, let me know. So the Israelis seem to have this kind of, I don't know, obsession with missiles and writing and signing names on missiles. I, I'd never heard of this practice. Apparently it's been done everywhere that, you know, in wartime. I, I just simply don't understand it because the whole point of a missile is to kill someone. So why on earth you'd want it to be associated with one ever, I don't know. But anyway, that's what it is. So I have seen footage, and you would have seen this as well, I have seen footage of a game show in Israel like it's like a television show where the presenter came out and met with the IDF terrorists and you could win having your name written on a missile, but also she was writing her name on a missile. And also in this game show, you could decide where that missile went, what part of Gaza did you want that missile to go and kill people on your behalf. Yeah, yes, I know. It, it it sounds unbelievable, but it's actually true. 
So politicians, Israeli politicians come out and sign, they meet with the IDF terrorists and they sign a missile. Again, kind of unbelievable, but it happens. And as I said, apparently happens in many places around the world, you know. It seems to me, I mean, the, the whole concept of it is that it's kind of like a privilege or a prize to sign your name on a missile. So that's been happening and it's been happening through this conflict, right? But then the other day I read that Zionists have now put the name of the Hadid family, which includes Bella, Muhammad and Gigi Hadid, on a missile, and there's a photograph of this handwritten note. Now, the Hadid family are a Palestinian-American family, and they have been very outspoken about the conflict and their opposition to Israel. So they are appalled, shocked. They are using their voice, and I'm sure they're using many other kind of techniques to show their horror at what Israel is doing in Gaza and the West Bank, doing in Palestine. So the Zionists decided that they're going to write their name on a missile and in disgust, I guess. So the quandary for me, and I'm just wondering if anybody out there can help me, you've got all these prize-winning people, Israelis, that want to put their name, that think it's a privilege. So you've got politicians, you've got people winning prizes, you've got journalists and presenters writing names on missiles that are going to hit Gaza. And then you've got them using it as a tool, the Zionists using it as a tool of hatred, which is probably more appropriate, but they're putting the Hadid family's name on it. So it just shows you, I think, how screwed up the whole concept is and how screwed up Israel is that they think this is appropriate behaviour. So it's a prize and it's not a prize. I mean, what the hell? We are talking about human lives here and these missiles kill babies, children, men, women. Please, I don't want to be anywhere near a missile. Do not write my name on anything. This is, to me, if this practice has been going on for some time, I think it's time to stop is what I think. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of share that with you and and really what it illustrates is how psychotic and barbaric the Israeli government is and that has carried through to their IDF terrorists, I guess. So I don't know whether writing your name on a missile is a good thing or a bad thing, but anyway, there you go. You can decide that for yourself. Now, the other thing I want to mention today is our very own John Pilger died, Australian journalist. He, It's really terribly sad news. I remember John Pilger very early on with one of the books that he wrote about Australia called The Secret Country and how he talked very uh, critically, if you like, of Australia as a country and, and Australia in terms of where it was heading. And he is really a journalist of great reputation of, unlike many journalists now, he was very outspoken about all sorts of atrocities over the years and he was particularly outspoken about the Middle East and what was happening with Israel and Palestine. So there's a lot out there about him and there's an essay that he wrote that um, you can go out and find if you like. The guy's called John Pilger, but it is with great sadness that he passed away this week. I really just wanted to mention that. 
So the other thing I wanted to mention today is you might have also heard that South Africa is accusing Israel of genocide and is, is going to take it to The Hague. Now, I'm not really sure how this happens. We probably need to speak to a human rights lawyer. Unfortunately, we can't speak to Amar Clooney because she has been silent, absolutely silent through this conflict. And her parents are Lebanese, by the way, but she has not uttered a word. She was definitely very vocal. Well, she has been vocal about what's happening in the Ukraine, and rightly so, of course, but complete silence about Palestine. So you know what I say? I say shame on her. I don't know how her parents feel about that. But anyway, getting back to The Hague. So to be prosecuted by The Hague, I understood that you had to be a member of the ICC, which is the International Criminal Court. I think there are over 120 countries that are members. But surprise, surprise, the USA is not a member and neither is Israel. Now, as I understand it, Palestine is, and they registered just recently because they thought that it would give them, or they were hoping that it will give them some protection over Israel. And, you know, I think that moment has come. Now, as I said, I'm not really sure how this happens, but it is a significant move that South Africa has done this because there is some concern. There's been some headlines and reporting in Israeli newspapers that the government, the terrorist government of Net, the Netanyahu government, is quite concerned by this accusation. Of course, they have denied it completely and that revolting Mark Regev, he won't even talk about it. He, he said that South Africa is... Uh, well, probably anti-Semitic. Surprise, surprise. Anybody that says anything about the atrocities that Israel is committing, they are anti-Semitic. So there you go. And Israel is defending these accusations apparently with force. But when you have a look at the war crimes that they've been committed, and we talked about those in the previous podcast, I can't see how they could get away with this. There might be a technicality. I don't know how the process works. As I said, this is just the beginning. I'll keep you posted. Israel is not a member of the International Criminal Court. As I understand it, Palestine is, and we'll see where that ends up. But there is a nervousness amongst the Israeli terrorist regime, the government, um, around this. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, I just want to end on this note as well. For some time and pre the 7th of October, the Netanyahu government has been in trouble, right? And and I mean locally. I mean, you know, um, within Israel. As I said, call it a government if you like. I think he's a dictator. I think it's a terrorist organisation. I think that they are not serving their people. They might be serving Zionists, but I don't think they're, they're serving their people. And Netanyahu has been trying to rejig, if you like, or reorganise the responsibilities, a bit like what Trump does, to reorganise the judicial system so it works in favour of the government and at this point works in favour of him. Because, you know, he's been charged with many crimes and still not, they, they haven't gone to court yet, but I think that if he's proven guilty, that's going to have tremendous consequences on him and his uh, terrorist government. So they have tried to manipulate the judicial system so it works in the favour of the government. And I don't know if you remember this, but 
hundreds and thousands of people took to the streets in Israel. Well, this has come back to bite them because the court has rejected the claim. So the ruling, and it's really a huge step in the legal and political crisis that has gripped Israel, this has the potential to reignite domestic turmoil. So you've not only got a country that's causing war and death and murder on another country, Palestine, you've got internal politics that aren't going well for them as well. Now, if you're an Israeli that didn't vote for Netanyahu and didn't want him in government, it must be a terrible time for you. But at the moment, this is happening. So you've got, if you like, a double whammy for the country. You've got this domestic turmoil that's happening and you've got this ongoing war happening. Now, at some point, they will run out of money. How long can the US finance this? I don't know. They will run out of money. So yes, Palestine's coming out of this and will come out of this situation very badly, but they will come back. They will be strong. That's the nature of Palestinian people. They will work with what they've got and they will come back. Now, in terms of Israel, and this is just a thought and it's my opinion, but how do you recover from this? How do you recover from the violence? How do you recover from a terrorist government? How do you recover from domestic turmoil? What kind of people, what kind of society will that be? I'm not sure about that. Do you know what I say? Thank you, but no thank you. Thank goodness I'm not part of that country. Okay, that's it for me. Go in peace.